right, scream cries of liberation, just like your ancestors did. Remember what is at stake. Demand you be seen as you are, not criminal, not terrorist, not alien, human. This is listener-sponsored WBAI New York. I was just going to say that. This is WBAI New York. Time now is 5 o'clock, and it's time for Driving Forces with Celeste Katz and Jeff Simmons. Welcome to Driving Forces, where we focus on the big issues in city, state, and national politics that matter to you. You were just listening to Let's Talk with John Kane. I'm Jeff Simmons, happy to be here once again with my amazing co-host, Celeste Katz, who broke some big news last week. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> we're going to break it every week. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, one of the key things you and I were kind of messaging each other about last night, because we were both watching, and I'm sure James was too, the back-to-back uh, -back presidential debates. Yeah, big, big week. And I, I was sort of, I was trying to avoid live tweeting the thing, doing the actual play-by-play -play because everybody else in the universe is either doing that or playing debate bingo. Now, both of those things, okay, it's a free country. One of the great things about America is that you can live tweet a debate or use it to play debate bingo, but uh, you know, just sort of wanted to keep it out uh, an eye for some of the highlights, particularly uh, last night with Joe Biden on stage. Well, in fact, as we started the show, I did want to say to you, Celeste, go easy on me, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all saw how that turned out last night. I'm much older than you. I can say that to you. <laughs> um, I will. Yeah, that know, did not turn out well. I, you know what? It's if you if you are making that kind of news before the event has even started, then I, I, and I think that's one of the things about Joe Biden is that he's known for making these sort of off the cuff statements or you know maybe giving somebody a hug or and sometimes this is considered to be polite or friendly or compassionate and sometimes it's considered to be a little bit of an overreach and either way uh, in this day and age you would think you would think that no matter how he intends it he'd be careful about it and he was getting pummeled last night i've seen uh various reviews of of his performance uh over you know uh, overall, it came across that he was underwhelming, uh, that this was his you know, opportunity to kind of make up for uh, what happened in that first presidential debate when Kamala Harris and he sparred. Right. And there's no, certainly, whatever you think of him, whether you like him or you don't, or you think he's the right choice at this time or you don't, Joe Biden has an extensive track record of in government. Uh, he was vice president of the United States, spent up teen years in the Senate. Is This is not somebody who doesn't know how to make a, a public speaking appearance, somebody who does not know how to debate in a high pressure situation. And some people thought he sort of, he sort of uh, you know, staggered through it. Some people thought he did quite okay. And some people thought he got smoked. Now, what about our uh, mayor here in New York City? Uh, well, that was that was interesting. It was also keeping an eye on him, too, because I think that uh, some people saw him as one of the breakout characters on the stage in the first debate. People thought he was kind of scrappy and kind of aggressive and kind of New York-y, whatever people think, uh, may think that means, you know, interrupting and stepping in, making his case. Did he get that much attention? Was he able to to repeat or expand on that performance last night? I'm not so sure. Not so sure. And what got him attention... Uh, were, were the chants uh, from the audience, uh, right. several members of the audience, about uh, firing pa uh, Daniel Pantaleo. Right, right, absolutely. The uh, discussions at length of the Eric Garner case uh, was were certainly probably not something he was thrilled to have to go into. And then there was that moment when they started talking about lead paint poisoning among mm -hmm, children mm -hmm. in public housing. And to be fair, he did mention accurately that this is a problem that existed before he was mayor and that uh, there are certain things the city is doing to try to ameliorate that problem. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't hear a long explication of how NYCHA is under federal <laughs> federal observation right now. I, that seemed to be missing last night. Yeah. So we do have our first guest online, but before we do that, there is a certain uh, 
uh, thing we would like to talk to our listeners about. Yes, it's about <laughs> it's about it's about us. Because the question is, how can we make this about us? No, no, not at all, not at all. Actually, what we are trying to do here is we. Uh, today and always want to make WBAI about you, about bringing you the best programs, the most interesting topics, the widest array of public affairs and music and uh, opinion shows and cultural programming and all those things. And you know what? We need your help to do that. We need your help to keep independent, commercial-free, free speech radio on the air. And the way you help us do that is call this number, 516 620 3602-516-620-3602. And we're trying to raise, during this show, $500. That's all. That's, say, 10 donations of $50 each. And frankly, if we can get, during this one hour, if we can get to $400, in lieu of giving Celeste a wedding gift, I will contribute that $100. That's all you were getting. Uh, $100 <laughs> to get us to the $500. It's cold um, but please, But please, 516-620-3602. And... Uh, Unlike Joe Biden, we will give you an, uh, the correct text number if you would like to donate. It, uh, w, uh, you text WBAI to 41444. Absolutely. That's WBAI to 41444. Or you can just go to WBAI.org. You can make a one-time donation. Or if you're really cool, and we know you're cool. Only cool people listen to WBAI. You can become a WBAI buddy and make a recurring donation in support of your favorite program, which, of course, naturally is either Driving Forces, City Watch, or perhaps Morning Ursae. But, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a variety of choices there. But whichever one of those things uh, sounds right to you, make the call or get online right now, 516-620-3602 or WBAI.org. And if you donate $50, we would be happy to send you a gift of one or one of two great new politics books by authors who we've had here uh, in studio uh, at WBAI, dri uh, on WBAI's Driving Forces. You could choose from The Best People by Alexander Nazarian or The Method to the Madness by Alan Sawkin and Aaron Short. Sure. And those are both really, those are brand new books. Both of them are really deep dives into what's going on in the, uh, the era of Trump. One sort of uh, looks into or frankly takes apart his cabinet. That's the, uh, the Best People by Alex Nazarian or The Method to the Madness, which is a very unique oral history of how we got from uh, Donald Trump being sort of this cosmic joke candidate to being our president. And the amazing thing about it is that it does that with zero anonymous sources. So check it out, 516-620-3602, or just go to WBAI.org. And that brings us to our first guest. And we are happy now to welcome to the program Bruce Jory. He is a senior advisor in government and regulatory practice for Monat, Phelps, and Phillips say that fast three times. He has close to three decades of experience as an attorney, served three governors in New York, two as senior advisor, and he's advised on a bunch of political and communications challenges. We wanted to uh, have him on today to see what he thought of this week's uh, double-header double debate showdown. So, Bruce, welcome to Driving Forces. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to be on with both of you. So maybe we could just get started, you know, at the beginning. Yep. Um, what would, what did you expect out of these two debates, and what did you get? Well, um, I, pretty much what I expected. I, you knew it was going to be a huge test for Biden since he was uh, had kind of slipped on the banana peel in the first debate under the withering assault of Kamala Harris. Um, you sort of had a sense that there'd be a challenge to Harris because of how well she did the first time. But the bigger issue, and that was what dominated the first night of the debate, is would would anyone in, amongst these candidates make a case for a vital for a liberal vital a liberal coalition in the Democratic Party, hewing to the vital center of the electorate, which is how all previous Democratic presidents have been elected, and you sort of got that Monday night. Now. Um, Warren and Sanders won the debate, 
but in but I think that the moderates uh, that evening in the first debate started to advance the argument that that would not necessarily carry the day in the general election in in 2020. So Warren and Sanders were helped because they were excellent debaters did not give an inch and made a persuasive case for their view but the but the moderate candidates you know Delaney Hickenlooper and Bullock uh uh did did begin to advance that argument and then that brought us into the second night but I don't want to make a speech here I want to give you a chance to get in a question but 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 that's what I that those were my expectations and they were sort of met and what did surprise me though in the second night was that most of uh with the exception of of Biden and Bennett um most of the of the candidates uh chose to attack Barack Obama and the Obama administration's record more than they attacked Trump it was inexplicable and it was predicated i think on on a lack of discipline based in in the weakness of most of those candidates rather than either political strength or political strategy that's interesting that you say that. Actually, that's a that's a good jumping off point for our next question here. Or mm-hmm. Something that I've been thinking, I was thinking about before the debate started was, okay, this time we saw what happened in the first series of debates. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. on stage. People are getting used to it. But okay, ultimately, is this going to be uh, a fight to be the person who best sets themselves up to the public as the man or woman? who can defeat Donald Trump in 2020? Or is it going to be an intramural race to the left kind of Democratic Party food fight? And well, I, 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 uh, the latter is how it's going, but I, but I think the voters are going to interject their view. And what I think is missing, and how I tend to, I let the debate coaches score the debates in terms of debating points, but I tend to look at debates in terms of how does it affect the ability of candidates to either win the primary or ultimately win the general election. And there, I think what people are missing is, is that there's an iron triangle that has dominated Democratic primaries, both here in New York and around the nation. And that iron triangle are minority voters, suburban women, and both white Catholic and, and Jewish voters. And these voters are uh, are the majority of the Democratic primary electorate. Uh, they tend to uh, need more Geritol than, uh, than, uh, than drink Red Bull. They're older. They're, they're over 40. Uh, there's never been a primary in the history of president uh, democratic presidential primaries where the over 50 vote did not dwarf the under 30 vote and it doesn't mean the under 30 vote is not important in the general election but in a primary you got to win that iron triangle and the problem with all of this is not one of these candidates has really come into Biden's lane and if you look at the at the at the polling he's doing very well amongst minority voters he's doing well amongst uh, older suburban voters, and he's doing very well amongst white Catholic and Jewish voters. So Biden has the iron triangle. The way to beat Biden is not to beat him to a pulp in the debate, although that may be fun and it may be entertaining, but the way to do it is how to get those votes. And 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 the way that both the, the, the debate with a capital D that we saw this week, or the debates, and as well as with a small d, the larger campaign debate is uh, no one's breaking in to 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 win support mm-hmm. from the voters who were gravitating to Biden. And then you look at Warren and Sanders, who were doing very well in terms of the capital D debate and, mm-hmm. and making a persuasive case, but they sort of remind you of Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier and the defiant <laughs> ones. They're kind of, uh, they've escaped from prison, but they're tied with ankle chains and they can't, and they, they're running together and they can't seem to break away from each other more than a couple percent. But that limits them, and they dominate the progressive lane, but they're not breaking into a larger lane, and they're also dividing a not a majority of the Democratic primary electorate. And, and I think we're getting taken uh, – there's a myth that the progressives dominate the primary electorate. Progressives have simply not been mm-hmm. able to win large turnout primaries 
anywhere, uh, well, anywhere is an exaggeration. They have not been able to carry the day. Uh, and since 2016, uh, the most progressive candidate did not win in Virginia and New Jersey gubernatorial. They did not win in New York gubernatorial. They did not win in Delaware senatorial. They did not win Rhode Island or, uh, uh, or Mich- uh, Rhode Island or Michigan gubernatorial races. And mm-hmm. most of them lost in landslides. Mm-hmm. Um, of the 12 congressional candidates that the Justice Democrats supported, only only Ocasio-Cortez and, uh, and Ayanna Presley uh, won those primaries. They went two for 12. That's hitting below the Mendoza line. So, Bruce, um, so Bruce I'm curious. You know, this was Steve Bullock's yeah. first appearance in the debate. Did you feel that yeah. he, uh, that he uh, was properly, you know, they properly introduced himself to uh, Americans or that, you yes, know? Yes, but, but, right, but the problem is, I think Delaney, uh, Hickenlooper, and Bullock came across as a Greek chorus. Their argument was important, but I'm not sure any of them uh, made an uh, made an, an impression. And I think they they helped advance an argument on what it would take to win in November of 2020. But I don't think either Bullock, Hickenlooper, or Delaney um, advanced themselves going forward. And what I about, find oh, and how about De Blasio? Uh, no, no, go ahead. How about De Blasio? Because I mean, both. Yeah. Uh, See what he did there? Celeste and I were talking about his uh, performance in the first debate compared with uh, last night's. Um, you know, do you feel that he just, you know, given his performance last night and the fact that he right now is not qualifying or it doesn't seem like he's meeting the thresholds for the next debate that we might see this uh, being a very short lived campaign? Yes, and he must pull out before New York because if he comes into New York and actually uh, uh, got, uh, was on the primary ballot and contesting, he'd probably at this rate finish fifth or lower, and that the embarrassment of that would be devastating for him uh, going forward. So I think uh, uh, if he can't make a splash, uh, if he can't get in the debates, you may see him reconsider. Certainly, he he I don't think he'll go beyond South Carolina, and if he finishes uh, poorly enough in New Hampshire and Iowa. Uh, the money and everything will uh, will dry up. He did not. I don't think he distinguished himself last night, um, and um, uh, he probably is in dread fear that Michelle, uh, uh, along with Cory Booker and Kamala Harris, that Michelle Obama would put out a tweet saying "Thank you for your support in the debate," which would sink them all amongst uh, <laughs> amongst uh, the African American electorate. I don't think she will, but if she did, they'd plot. Well, uh, that that would be interesting to see a a direct sort of intervention. I think the Obamas quite generally, generally, with a couple of exceptions, have tried to. But Eric Holder, I believe the Eric Holder tweet was what, if we were watching a baseball game, we'd call a purpose pitch and letting people know this is beyond Joe Biden. You keep attacking the Obama administration and we're going to fire back. So That was a purpose pitch. So, and he has 97% favorable rating mm-hmm. in the Democratic Party. Now, as you said before, people are not necessarily going to make up their minds conclusively on the basis of right. a debate or this early or both a combination yep. of both of those things. But one thing you definitely saw uh, this time was Kamala Harris was there for Joe Biden. There were certainly other people who tried to take a crack at him. Uh, de Blasio did. Cory Booker yep. certainly had that. There was, you know, the Kool-Aid moment. The uh, will will go down in history as I'm not sure what, but um, Kamala Harris, how do you think it was she witty. did? It, 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 it was witty, but Kamala Harris uh, got a blow from her. Uh, I don't want to back like it was a cheap shot, but but Tulsi Gabbard uh, really mm-hmm. rocked her. Mm-hmm. She Tulsi Gab- Gabbard rocked her almost as badly as she rocked Obama, and and a lot of the momentum is is uh, coming out of her first excellent first debate performance was dissipated by that and the fact that she never really could explain with clarity her uh, her he- her various health care positions vis-a-vis would private insurance continue or not. I think what's going to be interesting is let's let this settle and let's see uh, next week and the week after where the polling data lands. Before this debate, the polling data had returned uh, the, ha- the big Harris blip after the first debate. Uh, 
seemed to mostly melted, not all of it melted, but mostly melted. Biden was back up on top. Warren and uh, and Sanders were, like I said, like the defiant ones with Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier, uh, roughly equal, tied at the hip. Um, one a little up in one poll, one a little behind in the other, but roughly both around somewhere in the 15 to 17 percent range. Let's see where those polls settle, because now we're, we have another we have the next debate series isn't for another six or seven weeks. And the rest of the summer, we'll kind of we'll look at who's raising money, who's doing this, um, you know, how are people reacting to them there, and the race sort of settles and gets a little quiet for a bit, and um, that could uh, that could benefit um, uh, Biden if the poll, if the bounce back that the Quinnipiac poll showed is reflected in other polling data. I don't want to suggest that one poll, you know, one poll is is totally accurate and totally captures. But if that Quinnipiac poll is onto something, and there's a rebound um, for Biden. Um, that will affect things. And then how many other people are in the next round of debates? I mean, well, actually, does Gillibrand make it in? Does de Blasio? Right now, only right. seven of the 20 have qualified. Well, that's that's exactly, and you've been really generous with your time, so maybe that's a good place to, to jump in and Stop. ask you this. Well, 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 no, I mean, to answer this question, My actually. wife tells me that all the time. I'm used to it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Does she want to show on BAI? Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Last. Go ahead, I'm but, sorry. No, seriously, seriously, though, you're talking about who's going to be there next time and so on. I mean, as somebody who's watched these kinds of campaigns and advised these kinds of campaigns, is this yeah. helping? It? What we've seen in the past couple of debates, two nights, 10 candidates each, 30 seconds or a minute to answer questions, 15-second rebuttals, is this helping anybody decide who they want to have as their next president or should the bar just be way, way higher? Is this a free-for-all, or is this, is this useful? I, 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 and almost more important than, yes, the bar should be higher, but I think we should have a different format. I think that for these early debates, instead of allowing CNN and MSNBC and the other networks to basically uh, market themselves in this, um, uh, we ought to go back to the Lincoln-Douglas model and get the moderators out of the middle and have maybe smaller clusters of debate by smaller cluster, I mean smaller number of candidates who actually get a chance, let, let's actually let them go at each other, make, an, make opening statements, come back at each other, put like a five-minute time limit on it, um, uh, on, and, and force them to get away and beyond their talking points and actually show who has an understanding of the issue. In one minute, you can study your way through with talking points to to sound reasonably intelligent, but you don't necessarily get a chance to to show the American people how much you really know and 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 how you would do in a give and take. And by the way, that's the kind of debate you would have at the National Security Council or at a domestic policy meeting. And how would this per, how would a prospective president uh, carry himself or herself in that kind of a setting that actually replicates the kind of debating they would be doing with members of Congress and their own administration. So, um, no, and, and I think in many respects these debates are set up to tear each other to tear each other apart. And we have people on the stage who don't have uh, who don't have who I'm almost totally bald who have about as much chance of being elected president as I do of having a full head of hair in the morning, <laughs> and I have no chance. Um, and I put Mayor De Blasio in, in in that camp too. Now, in a First Amendment-based society, they have a right to run, but do you, do you need at this stage over a year before the election right. to give so much to this when in reality all they're doing is, is tearing each other apart? Um, and by the way, I repeat, last night, with the exception of Biden, all of them took shots at, at more shots at, at Barack Obama than Donald Trump. And what the one thing that is uniting the Democratic Party and the Democratic coalition is that Donald Trump is, 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 is a threat to the kind of America Democrats want, want to have. So Bruce, and oh, so, so they decide to go after Obama rather than, than Trump. It was political malpractice. So, Bruce, we need to wrap up and go to our next guest. How can people very quickly, how can people learn more about you? 
Um, you could probably Google me. I'm I'm too old to be on Twitter or Instagram or any of that. But if you Google's kind to me, so if you Google Bruce G Y O R Y, you'll you'll get some of my writings and some of my appearances on great shows like this. Although they rarely have me back because I tend to go <laughs> on and on. So, but uh, but this was a pleasure. Your questions were great. I've long admired Celeste's journalism from from her Daily News days and others. So uh, it was a pleasure to be on with you, Bruce. Thanks so much for joining us here on WBAI today. Take care. Thank you for having me. So you've Thanks been listening You've been listening to Driving Forces with me, Jeff Simmons, and Celeste Katz here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. We're going to bring on our next guest, Rena Shah, co-founder of the Women's Public Leadership Network, strategist, entrepreneur, media commentator. She's often been seen on PBS, MSNBC, and Fox News. And over the last decade, she's founded a number of small businesses and built a reputation for delivering winning political and issue advocacy campaigns. Rena, welcome to Driving Forces. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, Rena, so what did you think of the debate last night? How was it, from a, from a Republican standpoint, how did you see it? Was it uh, good for President Trump, good for the party, bad for anybody? What did you think? Oh, yeah, last night's debate was one of those nights where you're just sort of thinking to yourself, what does all this mean? You know, I wish we had a crystal ball and could look into the future, because I think last night sort of left a lot of Americans like, what is all this for? How many more do we have to go? Because it just wasn't very engaging. And I think um, I'm saying that from a Republican standpoint. You know, I just didn't hear that really bold cry for why the Democrats deserve the Oval Office. I, I saw a lot of infighting again, which is, of course, to be expected. But what we need in this unconventional time, right, we need an unconventional standout and with all the infighting, the jabs at one another, there's simply no real unified message as to why they deserve the Oval Office more than anyone else. Were there any standout moments, uh, say from the we'll go first night or and second night, any standout moments that were a surprise for you? Yeah, that exchange between Elizabeth Warren and John Delaney was incredibly standout for me because I had thought that Elizabeth Warren was sort of going to remain very bookish. Um, stay in her lane type of person. And let's not forget, she's a person that unveiled her campaign with sort of uh, a beer opening, and her husband didn't even join her in the post, which was a bit of a viral moment. And then it just, she just sort of bored me from there. But when she brought on that first night when she went for John Delaney and sort of like, why would you even bother to run? Um, the way she handled it, it was really actually quite clever. And I really liked that about Elizabeth Warren because I've always found her to be so good on substance, but she loses so many people because of that, right? So she showed us her personality in that, and I think I was really taken by that, as were so, so many others. So it sounds like, so going back, though, you, you thought it was your first impression, your, your sort of snap impression was that it was a, a snoozer, you know, the Republican Party. Uh, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. The, did you get the impression that there might be somebody in the Republican Party who looked at either of those nights or both of them cumulatively, cumulatively and said, Donald Trump is in trouble. We are in trouble in 2020. Yeah, I think that assessment right there, there's nobody on the, the GOP uh, in, inside the ranks of the party that's worried right now. They're thinking to themselves, these guys can't stop fighting one another. They are going to finish each other before they even make it to the general. So, you know, forget about that sort of aspirational, what can we offer in contrast to the current occupant of the Oval Office. You just didn't hear it. And so that's why I don't think anybody who's a Republican is really spreading today. They're thinking... Wow, right now it's looking pretty safe for Donald Trump because they can't rise above the fray. Coming into the debate, uh, you know, obviously Joe Biden has been, and there's been certainly, to be fair, plenty of talk about Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, uh, candidates like Kamala Harris, even candidates like Pete Buttigieg. Everyone's getting uh, interest in their own ways. But coming into yeah. Uh, to last night's debate in particular, what were you expecting to see from Biden, and what did you come away thinking about how he did personally? You know, I, I find it really funny when I read the headlines today. Uh, I have such a different opinion. I was expecting to see a more energetic Biden. I was expecting to see someone who was um, far happier looking. And and when I say energetic, I wanted to see that tempo 
through the night. I thought he would sort of um, bring a very, um, you know, I thought he'd, he'd come out as a pit bull. And I just didn't see it. People are saying today inside the Beltway that, wow, Biden really held his own quite well. I think he actually, in my opinion, I, I was really feeling good about Biden all the time. He slipped in my mind entirely because his finish was not a nice, close finish. It was one... Um, for those who watched the debate, who saw the closing statement, it was one that was rife with errors, whether he was talking about his website or getting mm-hmm. mixed up on the four more years, eight more years, all that stuff. That was such a poor closing. And I think he missed a huge opportunity there to button this up nicely for himself, you know, and say, I'm the guy that has made it through so much adversity in my life. And I, I stand up every time and I smile. And, and I think he thought it was enough for him to stand there and last night at the end but i i believe his supporters people who sort of wish him well like myself uh wanted to see more from him and he really missed that opportunity so i was um in in my opinion i I think this is going to be a really uphill battle for for joe biden this is not looking good at at this point for him And if you're just joining us, this is Driving Forces here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. Celeste Katz and Jeff Simmons here, and we're talking to Rena Shah. She's a strategist out of D.C., has worked with uh, uh, a lot of Republican and uh, growing groups, uh, people interested in getting into politics, learning about politics, shaping politics. Uh, So, Rena, as somebody younger, and I know it's, you know, we may have talked a little bit about some of these issues the last time I saw you. Um, but what did you think, I got to ask, of Joe Biden coming onto the stage? And before the show even got started, saying to Kamala Harris, go easy on me, kid. How did, how, how, <laughs> well, that tells me something. But uh, can, can you elaborate on that? Thank you. No, it's like, thank you for that question. Because it's an important one to ask. You know, and, and it's not it's not surprising that in 2019 um, there are a number of people who would be offended by that phrase. But, but frankly, I think it's all a bunch of nonsense for people to get up in arms about that. You know, he comes from another generation. I don't think in his heart of hearts, Joe Biden needs to hurt anyone. And um, I just say that because, you know, watching him in public life all these years, one can say that he's never maliciously gone for the jugular of an opponent. You know, it's very it's very odd to see him really get nasty and vindictive in his ways. It's just not, that's just not Joe Biden. And so I I really think um, this isn't about you know I don't I hate to take it back to intent because that's what the White House always uses for President Trump. Well he didn't intend this. Well what do we really know if we're not in that person's head or in their heart? But I think that phrase the the kid, that's just something you say to somebody who's younger, and it's almost sort of affectionate. Um, it's sort of meant to be friendly from his generation. I, I almost think we're just taking everything too literally this day and age. I don't think he has any ill will for any of those people on the stage against him. I think in his heart of hearts, he's just disappointed that he's having to go up against so many of his fellow Democrats. Because I really think when he entered the race, he thought it would just be his and wouldn't have to fight this hard for it, that so, people would just understand. So, Rena, we're uh, here at WBAI. We know from a lot of our listener phone calls that uh, uh, a number of our listeners are big Bernie Sanders fans. So I'm curious if you uh, what your yeah. assessment is of his uh, performance the previous night. You know, there's, there's something to be said about Bernie Sanders and, and sort of the, the support he continues to enjoy up until this day. And I think there have been so many people inside the Beltway who discount that over and over and don't understand that there are average everyday Americans who, who aren't exactly people who label themselves as socialists, um, who, who really actually like what he says and how he says it and, and are willing to give him another chance. Um, I just, um, yeah, I saw, I saw a man, maybe very similar to Joe Biden, who wished he could just wrap this up by entering the race, you know, and feels a bit of frustration that he's continuing to have to sort of shake his fist at the public and say, give me, you know, give me the stage. Let me let me try this. Let me take on Trump. Because at the end of the day, that's what all these people want. They know in their heart that they've got the idea, the int- the ideas, the intellect, the um, the capacity, even if you will, to take on Trump in a way that, that very, very 
very likely could give him a, a really rough run in this re-elect. Uh, it could make it a very close race. However, uh, Bernie's performance, you know, I think it's just one where his supporters will applaud it. Has he changed anybody's mind? I just don't think he's that guy. He can't do any any changing at this point. He can't appeal to people and say, give it to me. And I just felt like um, he was sort of dry. I expected a little bit more, perhaps even savvy from him, what we saw a la Elizabeth Warren instead. Um, we just, I think we, we missed something from Bernie. And so he's going to continue to stand on stage, but I just don't think it'll get him anywhere. And, uh, and you've been real generous with your time, so uh, maybe one more question here for you. Um, uh, out, of, out of what you did see, and okay, maybe there was no sort of knockout blow, or there, was, th- there were a few moments of fireworks, but nothing sort of cataclysmic. Um, in your opinion, out of, what you, out of the people that you saw and heard, was there anybody who sort of made the best case, if not a winning case, but the best case of, of the 20 people that we've seen to say, look, I am the person to go toe-to-toe with Donald Trump. I am the best hope of the party, either because of my personality or my ideas or, or the number of people I can appeal to. Did, did, did anyone sort of grab you like that at all? Yeah, it was definitely Andrew Yang, surprisingly, for me. <laughs> I loved his clothing. <laughs> you know, say what you will about the guy. He's kind of got the Trump effect. I mean, you know, in that people are discounting him. People are saying, what a loony tune. He's just up there managing to hold his own. He's sort of closing the lead in a weird way. Like, it's the very same thing we saw with Trump in the Republican debate. Um, people are just sort of saying, no way. And there is a Yang gang out there, to be honest. So, um, you know, it just I think time will tell with Andrew Yang. But his closing statement to me, it was all about the closing statements last night, um, particularly in debate number two, because Cory Booker made that really nice and passionate plea about uniting us, getting together on what we actually agree on than, rather than what we disagree on. I think Kamala Harris, she actually, for, in my opinion, I hadn't really fully heard it until now. In that closing, she made a solid case for why she can prosecute a quote-unquote predator. And I thought that had some appeal. I just don't know that it'll have mass appeal like some people are expecting. I thought it was stronger, though, than most inside the Beltway are saying. I thought Harris did a fine job last night. And then again, like I said, back to Yang, the surprise factor, and just him him seeming to not seem so loony tune this time. So I, I'm really... I can't wait till the next debate. Let's put it that way. I just wish there weren't uh, so many people on this stage. And Andrew Yang would not be caught dead wearing a Trump tie, by the way. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so or, or any tie. <laughs> <laughs> Rena, how can people, as we wrap up, how can people learn more about you? Well, I'm Rena in D.C. That's R-A-N-A-I-N-D-C at Twitter. Um, I welcome everything. You know, I've, I've got some interesting analysis of, of what this race should be, and I offer it every now and then, and I, I love it all. I love to hear from anyone that has to say, look, I think your take's a bad one. I think it's a good one. I think you're onto something here. We have a better, stronger democracy when we're all out there listening to one another. So I welcome that, and thank you guys for hearing me out today. Rena Shaw, thank you so much for appearing on Driving Forces today. Thank you. Take care. So we have a special guest on the line right now. Earlier this year, we had invited all of the uh, Democratic candidates for Queens DA to be on the show. We were able to interview the majority of them, and we had said at the time that we would like the uh, uh, certified winner uh, to be able to come back on the show. We know that this is not over because there are legal proceedings going on, Uh, but we're now joined by Melinda Katz, who was certified earlier this week uh, as the uh, winner of the Democratic Democratic primary for Queens DA. Melinda, welcome back to Driving Forces. Always happy to be with you. Thank you very much for having me again. So how does it feel? I mean, other than still not being related to me, which is something that <laughs> I'm getting grief about this on Twitter. People are like, you're really not related? Like, no, no, we're not. But congratulations. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to ask you, I mean, having followed this really closely, especially all the drama with the counting and the paper ballots, and the Board of Elections, how do you feel to sort of be just finally on the other side of this no this first of all thank you for having me again and uh we are not related but you know somewhere back in the past you never know <laughs> uh all couches are somewhat related um but you know look this has been a roller coaster there's just no doubt about it on election night you know me and especially my two children who are eight and eleven 
you know, for them, it was extremely difficult. On election night, clearly, we were back uh, 1,199 votes. We knew there was over 6,000 pieces of paper to be counted. Uh, and so, you know, there is an automatic recount when you come between uh, within 450 votes in this election because it was a 90,000 uh, vote cast election. And so then we had, of course, every single vote counted. As you know, I refused to concede. Uh, it was something I was not going to do on election night. Not with 6,000 votes still not counted. I, I believed then and I believe now every valid vote needed to be counted before the winner was called. And I thought Queens deserved that. Uh, and so then we count the votes and we're ahead 16 uh, at, at a paper vote. So then we have to do a recount of the entire 90,000. And that brought us ahead 60 before the certification happened. So it has clearly been um, a ride to get here. I will say that it's extremely worth it. You know, the people of Queens County deserve to have the duly elected district attorney uh, leading the office. And here we are. And so however long a massive salmon took, we know that that was done properly. And before we get to some of the big picture issues, and I know Jeff Jeff is a, a resident of your borough, so I'm sure that he will it will have uh, good <laughs> questions for you on this. But just as a sort of a, a voting rights slash election law and process junkie, did you guys make any special attempt at all to make sure that you got uh, absentee ballots in to watch for people who needed emergency ballots to see that people voted military overseas? Anything at all, you know, specific to those kinds of of uh, ballots, anything other than a, a ballot cast in the normal course of business on a machine. Did you kind of work that angle especially to make sure that you got every single vote you could get, or did it just end up this way? No, we, of course. I mean, anybody who cares about all folks in their district being represented would do a reach out for absentee ballots, for people who weren't able to get to the poll, who people who were going away uh, for the week of the election who say to you when you knock on the door, you know what, we're not going to be in town, but we can use a ballot. Can you get us one? Um, and we tell them how to get one. And, you know, you don't ask who they're voting for when they ask you for an absentee ballot. You just know that it is proper that everybody can have their voice heard when it comes to elections in the United States of America. And so, yeah, we clearly uh, made sure that everyone could fill out their absentee ballot. We clearly made an effort to reach out to those that had, um, you know, permanent absentee ballot status. Uh, but, you know, I've done that in every election, and it is par for the course to do. Uh, but I also knew that, you know, I have been serving the people of Queens for over 25 years as an assembly member, as a council member, as a borough president, as a district leader. And so I had faith, you know, that night on the election when some folks wanted me to concede, I had great faith in the fact that those folks who have been around for a while in Queens and in government in Queens uh, would, I hoped, have faith in the job that I was going to do for district attorney. Uh, and it panned out. Look, you know, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. Uh, but in this particular case, it worked. And I'm very proud. And I'm very excited about the process that we've gone through. You know, in the Board of Elections, every vote was counted. There were camera crews everywhere. There was Twitter feed. I was finding things out on my Twitter way before my attorneys were calling. Uh, you know, it was an amazing, open, transparent process. So, Madam Borough President, you mentioned uh, yes, two, and a, two and a half um, decades of, of, of public service. But what, what happened in this campaign was uh, the Caban campaign was casting you that you looking at that as a product of the old school machine. And The New York Times talked about this the other day. Can you give us your reaction to that? Sure. I'll tell you what I told The New York Times. I am my own woman and my successes are my own. And anybody else who doesn't believe that doesn't know me very well. I'm a very uh, strong, independently-minded uh, individual, attorney, woman, mother, uh, and all that comes into it. I think it's amazing to cast me in that light when I have literally run uh, against the Queens County organization and won, literally lost against them, uh, ran against them and lost, have run with them and won, and run with them and lost, right? So I actually have had uh, all of it. Uh, in the last 25 years. I've never been shy to run against them when um, I felt like it was the right thing to do. And I'm proud to have their support uh, when we're on the same side. And this campaign started <clears throat> with over 300 people standing in the middle of the borough of Queens in a park, parents, civic leaders, community board members, uh, cure violence groups, not-for-profits who stood up uh, way before the Democratic organization got involved and said loud and clear that they felt 
that the district attorney's job was one of great discretion and one that you absolutely needed to know the community groups in order to do a good job. You know, during the campaign, we always talked about experience matters, and I always said, you know when experience matters? On January 1st, if you need to introduce yourself to the groups and to the community and to the constituents, that's when experience matters, because I don't think you can do a good job as DA if that's the case. So, look, we started with a real groundswell of support. I was very proud of that fact. I was honored when I showed up at that, you know, rally, and there were so many people there uh, that we've worked with day in and day out for decades. Uh, And so, look, this has been groundswell up. The people made their choice. I'm excited to be the candidate on the Democratic line. And as far as how close it was and whether or not you or your supporters, of course, agree with the characterization, the idea that this was supposed to be about old versus new or machine versus uh, sort of change and so on, what are you going to do now to get people on the same page? Because this is something that we've seen not just here in New York, but in a lot of places where you have these extremely, extremely close call acrimonious elections and the fact that they get certified doesn't mean that the rancor goes away. I think though we need to look at this election for what it was. There was 38% of the people of Queens County that voted for the DSA. There was 62% of folks that we were all sort of vying for. And remember, there were six candidates on that side. So there were seven candidates in all. Uh, about six of us split a lot of the vote, and still yet we came out ahead. But this is time for getting to work, and I think you're absolutely right, Celeste. This is time to look forward. This is time to getting to work. This is the time where we need to have serious discussions about criminal justice reform, about keeping justice for defendants, but also having justice for victims. I am totally of the belief that you can do both. They are not conclusive of one another, and there is no reason that you can't do both at the same time. But Really, we need to look at Queens County and how we keep people out of jail, how we make sure they never want to enter the criminal justice system. You know, I've had the honor of working with so many not-for-profits that are cure violence groups whose sole job it is to work with the infrastructure of our families to make sure that young people know that they are much safer not picking up a gun than they think they are picking one up. It has worked all across the country to lower the crime rates, lower recidivism, and make sure that people do not come out of the prison system uh, and commit crime again. So I do think it's time to get back to work. You know, Queens is 190 countries and 200 languages, and part of my success as the borough president, whatever success I've had or not, has been to bring um, many of the languages, many of the immigrant services together, uh, and to move the borough uh, ahead as a whole, have each other's back, and make sure that our diversity has been the greatest gift we give the rest of the United States. And I think getting to work in the DA's office is going to be similar. There are vast amounts of opinions in this borough as to how we should move forward with criminal justice. I believe you put everybody at the table, you hear the disagreements loud and clear, and then you figure out a way to move forward together on getting true criminal justice reform while keeping our borough safe. Mm -hmm. You can do it. So, I mean, speaking of various opinions, when it comes to the Caban campaign, they're still pursuing this in court. I do want to make mention of that, uh, that they, you know, they're not conceding because they still feel that uh, there is an opportunity that some of these ballots could be uh, uh, put back into play here. Uh, What happens next? And talk about your reaction to that. Well, what happens next is the lawsuit continues. We have been certified by the Board of Elections. And again, I say, You know, with every valid vote counted, with newspapers there, with media there, with, um, you know, all the bloggers, all of the Twitter um, tweets that were going on, um, this was such a transparent process that I think it's remarkable. Um, But at the end of the day, I respect the judicial process. I respect their right uh, to pursue this lawsuit. But there is going to come a point. Uh, Jeff and Celeste, you know, we had election night, we had the papers counted, that was another few weeks, a week, and then we had a recount of all of the valid votes, now we're in court, there does come a time when we all need to stand together and say, if we're really going to start doing this work, and if we're really going to make it successful in the borough of Queens, we have to start doing it, we have to get to the table together, and that's where I'm looking at right now.
Okay. No, I mean, and I, I understand that you are acting with, uh, with uh, the certification of the Board of Elections uh, under your belt that uh, litigation continues. But I just have to wonder one of the many reasons personally, personally, that, that I don't think I could handle running for public office is things just <laughs> like this. I mean, do you ever, I got to ask, is there ever that sort of like cold sweat middle of the night moment where you sit up and you're like, oh, my God, what if, what if, oh it, what if, I, what if I didn't win? What if something changes? Or, oh, wow, they're all talking about this race. Yes, um, there are certainly those moments. But I have to tell you, I've been doing this a long time. Uh, and a steady hand at my, you know, at my age and my point in my career, uh, I have been a private attorney, a private practice, you know, almost 10 years. I've been an elected official in different capacities. Uh, it's been my job to be responsible for, you know, a lot of different people. So, yeah, I think there's always that moment in anyone's life. And, by the way, if you don't have that moment in your life, you know, maybe we're not pushing. Um, but this is about getting to work for doing things that I care very deeply about. I would not have run for this office had I not thought I was the right person to deliver justice for all in the borough of Queens and to make our families safe. I have two little boys, an 8- and 11-year-old, and, you know, I hope they bring their children up in this borough and know that the greatness and wonder of the diversity that we offer is here, um, and that they should remain. But it's got to be done in a way that makes the system fair. And I think there is a large sense out there by those most impacted by the criminal justice system that it's just not a fair and just system. And I intend on making sure that it is. Madam Borough President, uh, Melinda Katz, thank you so much for joining Celeste Katz and me here on WBAI today. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate you having me on the show. We'll speak soon. Thanks. So uh, we've got a few minutes left. If you want to weigh in on what you just heard or about the presidential debates and want to tell us what you thought of those debates, particularly uh, given the two experts that we talked with earlier in the show, the number is 212-209-2877. Not that 30-30-30 number. No, no. Uh, 212-209-2877. And it could be about, uh, we just talked to the uh, apparent, I'm not even sure what to, to the, 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 board, the board certified winner of the uh, the, the Democratic contest. But, and there still is the, yeah, there still is in, the general. Uh, in, in Queens. Uh, but uh, also interested to know what you think of, uh, what you thought of the debates this week. Did Joe Biden get smoked? Did he get smoked? Did he win? Did he do okay? Did he not do okay? 212. And? 209-2877. I want to know. 212-209-2877. Who'd you like? Who'd you not like? Give us a call. And did Bernie write the damn bill? Yeah. I, I believe. But can we, can, that was can, my favorite moment. Oh, my. I, okay. I loved I love that he responded. Well, that that's way. a good question. Did anybody else, did, was there a moment for you? Was there a moment during this debate where you said, you know what, holy smokes, that's the person I want to vote for. That's the person I want to have as president. And uh, here we go. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name and where you're from? Hey, my name is Smiley. I'm from Connecticut. Hi, what's on your mind today? I can't understand how BAI people allow themselves to buy in this Joe Biden thing. Joe Biden ain't going nowhere. If Joe Biden is the nomination, it get the nomination. I can tell you it's four more years for Trump. You're listening to these people. They look at they give Joe Biden more time than any, anybody else. They take Joe Biden and put him at the front. Before he agree that he's running, they say he's the front runner. They bo- bogus polls. And they said, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren is the only two candidates practice what they preach. Everybody else. Oh, okay, we, we well, ju- we uh, just thank lost you. Okay, you. so Sorry okay, we're going to give the number again. We only have a few minutes here, so if you call in, uh, uh, tell us what you think uh, about the Democratic debates, but be quick. We'll try to get as many uh, calls in as we can. 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. Was that guy right? Do you think that uh, Joe Biden as a Democratic nominee is guaranteed four more years of Donald Trump? Let us know, 212 212- Two oh nine two eight seven seven. So, uh, Bruce Jory earlier mentioned that seven candidates so far qualified uh, have met those, you know, three or two uh, thresholds to get a guaranteed spot in the debate in September. One of them is Joe Biden. Uh-huh. Um, also, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, and Cory Booker. 
Right, right. It looks like we have uh, we have more people calling in. Just as a reminder, 212-209-2877. Keep it to like 30 seconds. We're going to do this quick. Ready, set, go. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you from? What do you think? Uh, Josh from Glen Cove. Okay, um, Josh. All go. I really got out of the debates was that Biden answered every question by saying he'll beat Trump or other people were as bad. And I just, that's not a winning policy to me. No, that's uh, not not going to work for you. Uh, so who do, who do you think's the uh, who's the winner? Who's the winner? Uh, I liked Bernie going into it. Warren's impressed me, and uh, Camilla Harris has not been showing out as well as some people are saying. But you know, she's in it. I think. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. We are going to go right to our next caller. Phone lines are blowing up here. Keep it to about thirty seconds. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you from? Who do you like? Hi, my name is Kyle Tom. I'm calling from Edison, okay, New who, Jersey. What do you think? 30 seconds. Okay. Go. Go right now? Yep. Right, right now. Okay. Um, I do believe that Joe Biden is put in front. He's being forced on us a lot like Hillary Clinton was. And that's going to be problematic for us. We need somebody who can close the enthusiasm gap and Joe Biden is not the person who is going to bring folks out. Every time they show him, he's in front of contributors. Mm -hmm. Every time they show Bernie or Elizabeth Warren, they're out in the public, in arenas, in stadiums or what have you. You just see multitudes of people. Joe Biden, you you only only see. If if you could only pick one, who would it be? If you could only pick one. Oh, it's definitely Bernie Sanders. Okay, we got one for Bernie Sanders here. Thanks for your call. Mm -hmm. Really appreciate it. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name? Where you're from? Who do you like? Go. Connecticut. Okay. Last night, you know, last night I think a lady from Hawaii did fabulous. Tulsi Gabbard. The woman. The woman. Mm-hmm. Took on Kamala Harris and her prosecutorial uh, record, mm-hmm. which has a lot to be desired. And then the, and I'm sorry, I don't know their names, and then the other woman with the blonde hair. But I think, you know, Biden couldn't do much worse than before. But I'm nervous now because he can't keep a train of thought. He can't finish sentences, and I think Trump's going to eat him up. It's getting very scary. I'll say, I'll say it's it's, uh, it's, uh, it's been scary for, uh, for, for a long time here covering politics. Thank you so much for your call. Again, we're trying to get to as many of you as you can, but we got to be quick. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you from? Who, do you vote? Who are you voting for? Go. Yes, hello. I'm discouraged because as a black person, I listen to the black candidates. We've had a black governor, black mayor, president, and there is no black radio on terrestrial radio in this city. And there's a crime when you have these handkerchief heads in high offices. They run for office and promise black people things, and they never give the black people. We're not people of color. We're black people. The Arabs have things. The Jews have things. There's nothing designated for black people. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much for your call. I think we have time for maybe one more real quick. I don't know. I have to ask the boss here. James, do we have time for one more call? We do. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you from? Who are you voting for? Who do you like in those debates? Go. Hello, uh, Dennis from Staten Island. Uh, Go get him, Dennis. Welcome back, Dennis. Okay, uh, big-time Trump supporter. I, I think after watching this for 50 years, I think everything that all the Democrats are saying that they don't like and that they want and that they want, they should talk to Trump and he'll do it with them. I really think that Trump has an open mind, and I think that if these people, these Democrats and the, and the left-wingers sat down and talked to him, we'll find out that we're on the same page and he is fighting for the same things that you are fighting for. All right, thanks, Dennis. Dennis. wants to get away. Thank you so much, Dennis, for calling in. You've been listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. Stay tuned for the evening news for Celeste Katz, Jeff Simmons, and uh, James Ursay. See you next time. Coming up at the top of the hour, the WBAI Evening News with Paul DiRienzo.
want your favorite WBAI programming to continue to air without the fun drive day preemption? Becoming a BAI buddy is a great way to prevent that and to help support the station. Just by going to give to WBAI.org, you can donate today. So before you decide to buy that electronic accessory for your smartphone, here are some more fulfilling ways to use that money with some perks. You can use your WBAI membership card and receive discounts on Zipcar, two for the price of one admission at the Museum of the City of New York, 20% off sessions with life and career coach Nina Delavichia, and much more. You will also receive a WBAI tote bag, which you can use to carry around